Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Nancy Murdoch, and you are listening to Nancy at Noon. This show is for the forward-thinking man and woman who care about making a difference in their lives and the lives of others. My topics are about personal expression for living a healthy life filled with love, passion, purpose, value, and belonging. Today's episode is titled, I Don't Want to Know That, and it's about having the courage to look at those things in our lives that we don't want to know about and why it's imperative that we get out the microscope and examine them very, very closely. I want to start today's episode with a quote from Socrates. The unexamined life is not worth living. Those were the words he spoke at his trial for impiety and corrupting the youth of the day in Greece. Impiety is the lack of respect for something considered to be sacred. Socrates preferred to seek truth in the afterlife rather than give up the pursuit of wisdom gained through a life of examination and teaching his philosophy to the world. So he was then put to death. Socrates didn't actually corrupt the minds of the youth, at least not in my opinion. He was teaching them to question everything, including God. And the government just wasn't having that. The leaders were afraid Socrates might lead a revolution. So they accused him of crimes he didn't commit, then made him drink hemlock. Socrates believed so much in self-examination that he was willing to die rather than live a lie. My guru says, the one question you should continue to ask throughout your entire life is, who am I? And the next question is, why am I here? How about you? Have you ever asked yourself, who am I? If no, why not? If yes, how much time did you actually spend in meditation or contemplation of that answer? Hmm, it's not that easy. I don't think so. I don't understand. Am I totally screwed or what? I don't understand. I'm in trouble. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, that's what I thought. Who am I is a lifetime study. I don't know if we will ever have the final answer, but we can certainly get closer and closer to the truth each time we ask. This is not a pointless philosophical pursuit. The question is so unfathomably deep that any insight gleaned could change your life in many different areas. The one significant reason people start walking the path of self-inquiry is not because their lives are filled with joy. No, 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 no. People don't ask, who am I and why am I here, when their health is so top-notch perfect they could bottle and sell it on the black market. Nope. And it's not because their relationships are always kind, loving, and respectful. Nope again. People start looking inside themselves when something goes wrong in their lives, when their health starts failing and the doctors aren't giving them the positive, acceptable solutions they are seeking. People turn to self-inquiry when their marriages break up, uh, when they lose their jobs, when they are depressed and lonely and basically out of answers, and there's nowhere to look but within. The healthcare system in the U.S. is undergoing a bit of a shake-up these days, as you are probably well aware When late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel tells 2.3 million viewers that we are moments away from the real possibility of having to let our babies die, 
because the vast majority of Americans can't afford health care. It's a big wake-up call. You know when something big is going down. The universe is in huge transition mode right now, but you don't have to be taken down with it. A wake-up call means exactly that. Wake up! Your health and your happiness are your responsibility, and even though we have asked others to take care of it for us, that's not how it works. So how do you do the kind of self-inquiry that will give you answers you need and make a difference in the areas of your life that are falling short of your desires? Well, it starts by telling your story. Even if we don't write it down, we are always telling someone our story. Basically, everything we say is our story. When your husband comes home from work and you ask him what he did today, he tells you his story. When the kids are at school or hanging out on the weekend, they are telling their stories. When you are interviewed for a job or you're filling out a medical form, you are telling your story. When you send an email, you are telling your story. We just think of the idea of stories in a different way. Everything you think and say is your story. So the real question is, are you investigating the story you are telling? How does your story about health, finances, happiness, and relationships differ from a friend's story who is happy, healthy, wealthy, and still in love? When you write your story down, any story, any life experience, it gives you the opportunity to examine what you are telling yourself. And when you are being really honest, that's when the shadow side starts to emerge. The shadow aspect scares the heck out of people. We don't want to face those demon emotions that we buried way down deep inside. Because that's why we buried them. We don't want to face them. But you can't run away from your shadow. It sticks like glue and follows you everywhere until you shine a light on it. And I don't mean just metaphorically. Shining a light can mean seeing with a different perspective. When you have a different perspective, you can start to change what you are telling yourself. And that's where transformation takes place. There's so much we don't know about ourselves. It's not like we are intentionally hiding it. We have spent a lifetime of suppression not really asking ourselves the deeper questions. So how can we become aware of what's truly going on in our bodies, in our minds, and with our emotions? The act of writing unlocks a deeper truth from your body and your memory. Our bodies hold the emotions to every experience we have ever lived. Writing unlocks traumas and gives us a chance to find balance. When we have an illness or a disease, when our relationships are dysfunctional, when we are feeling depressed or lonely, in simple terms, it means something inside of us is out of balance. When we bring our bodies back into balance, we restore, we restore equilibrium and diseases disappear. Relationships improve and happiness is restored. It's hard to write about pain and suffering. I'm not going to tell you any different. Most people want to put it behind them and move on. But like I said, whatever is causing the pain is actually the shadow self trying to get your attention. Hey, notice me, or I'm just going to act up more and more until your life comes to a complete stop and you have no choice but to look at me. Loss and suffering don't need to be wasted. When coal is transformed, it becomes a diamond. Your pain and your suffering can be turned into art or into compassion or wisdom to help someone else who is suffering. Today I'm going to continue my Hector and Diana series. If you are new to the show, I'll do a quick catch-up for you. Hector is a prisoner in a Texas state penitentiary, and Diana is his spiritual mentor. Me! 
Since 2011, we have been telling our stories to each other through a series of letters. Hector's desire to be a better man and live a purposeful life is very relatable because it's something most of us struggle and strive to achieve in our own lives. This story has value for everyone. You can find the first two episodes in the archive on my website, nancymurdoch.com. Today, I will be reading my response to his last letter. April 5th, 2012. Dear Hector, you have such beautiful handwriting. I know I said that before, but it bears repeating. I want to try to address as many issues in your letter as possible. I have a few questions also. I know you want to live a different life. I can sense your sincerity and efforts to change the way you have been to the way you want to be. You said you need a fresh start and a better path than the one you have been walking. Help me to understand the path you have been walking. What was a typical day in your life like before you went to prison? What did you do? Mm. How did you spend your time? Did you have a job? And if so, what kind of a job did you do? Did you like it? Were you good at it? And was it satisfying? What kind of friends did you hang around, men and women? What kinds of things did you do with your friends, and why? Did you live in a small town, big city, rural area? Why are you in solitary confinement? What exactly did you do to get into this position? I don't mean what are the legal terms for it. I'm asking what was the situation. Do you mind describing it to me? If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. I just want to understand you a little better. When people describe personal incidents in their own words, it helps me identify issues that may not be obvious to others or themselves. In order to have a fresh start, we need to totally drop the past, past actions, past thoughts, past emotions that triggered us to do things that created our now. You said your past has closed doors for you. Why has it closed doors and what doors has it closed? Do you want those doors reopened or do you want them to remain shut? You mentioned that your negativity led you down a bad path to a dead end. That is very significant awareness about yourself. A lot of people don't recognize or acknowledge their negativity. There are days when I feel very negative also, and I sort of seclude myself because I don't want my negativity to bring anyone else down. Please tell me why you think you are a negative person. Now, the thing about putting the past behind us is that it allows us to step fully into the now. Not the future, but the present. All the power in the world and in you is in the present moment, right here, right now. In simple terms, quantum physics says that what you focus on is what you get. We can ponder the past and try to figure out what we could have done differently, but it does no good because we are creating more of the same for the simple reason that we are focusing on the past, our past actions, our past thoughts and mistakes. While we do that, we are living in the past. It seems to make sense to look at the past in order to change our behavior in the future, but it's not necessary, and in fact, it's counterproductive. You have the answer to a fresh start and letting go of attachments. Approach life with love. Those were your words. And you are absolutely right. Doors will swing wide open when you live from a place of love. Nothing else is needed in order to live a new life and start over. The way to do that is to practice love in every moment. So now the question changes. Now, instead of asking yourself, how can you let go of attachments or negativity, ask yourself, how can I love more? How can I love more brings you into the present moment, not the past or the future. It brings you into the now. When you are in the now, in the present moment, you set the stage for the future. Same deal for when you are thinking about the past. You are also creating your future. 
But instead of creating a future of open doors, prosperity, health, and happiness, you are creating more of what you don't want. You are creating more of the past. So the first step in changing your perspective and your future is to keep asking, how can I love more? The answer will come. I truly believe everyone has a good heart. The difference is that in some people it is covered by layers and layers of hatred, pain, disease, and negativity. Whereas in others, the layers aren't so deep, so those people are more able to let their goodness shine. That's the only difference. There are lots of movies about the quantum physics law. You get what you think about. The first one that came out in modern times is called What the Bleep Do We Know? Another is The Secret. Now, the hidden layer that nobody ever mentions, because it doesn't sell books or movies, is that focus is more than just what we consider to be our normal focus. To be more specific, we attract the energy we radiate. In other words, if you have unhealed issues or karma in your life, it needs to be healed and resolved before you can attract anything different. Focusing on the positive and the now definitely helps. Staying in a place of love all the time is the answer for sure, but our current thoughts might be focused in the moment and our heart is feeling love, but every experience we have ever had becomes part of our physiology. That means that while we are thinking about the present with good thoughts and intentions, our physical cell tissues are usually focused and living memories from the past. That's why we react to situations rather than respond to them. It's knee-jerk reactions that keep us repeating the old patterns. So, in order to truly get something different in life, we need to heal all our old traumas, dramas, and wounds because we have buried things that we don't even know about. This may sound like a daunting task, but awareness is the first step to healing. It was pretty overwhelming when I found this out a long, long time ago. It means work. Plain and simple, if we want to be different, we need to change things we don't even know about. It can be done because that's why we are here on Earth, to heal and become radiating beacons of light and love. I'm still doing my clearing work. It never ends. It just becomes a way of life that requires us to always be conscious and conscientious about what we are thinking, how we are treating people, the planet, animals, and every living creature, even the ones that drive us nuts or push all our buttons into a state of rage. We all have people like that in our lives, and usually they are the family and friends closest to us. So when we say we attract the energy we put out, it means all the energy we put out, conscious and unconscious. It's like when my daughters and I used to go swimming at the indoor pool in town. There was a lady swimming in the shallow end who we desperately tried to avoid. She stunk of garlic. It wasn't her breath, although she could have had garlic breath too. We just didn't get close enough to find out. She probably brushed her teeth, but it didn't matter. Her whole body reeked of garlic. It came out her pores. I'm sure she had no idea. Fresh garlic was probably a part of her daily health routine. But she radiated that routine to everyone around her, and it pushed people away. That's how our energy works, too. Thinking positive thoughts is like brushing our teeth. It's only one layer, one level of purification. So let's put that in the context of relationships. We can think positive thoughts, desire better relationships, and think we are changing because we have different attitudes and perspectives. It's all necessary, but it's only the tip of the iceberg. All the uncovered, unhealed issues below the surface are still radiating a vibration from our body that is attracting people and situations in our lives. For example, let's say when you were a kid, you were really into a sport like baseball. You made the team, went to every practice, and finally had your first big game. You were really proud, and you wanted to share your enthusiasm with a parent. Let's just say you wanted your dad to come to your game 
and he promised he would. Then, for some reason or other, he never showed up. To a child, it doesn't matter what excuse or reason a parent gives. It means something else was more important than me. Emotionally, you feel hurt, angry, betrayed, let down, sad, even unworthy. I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm using the word you in general terms for all of us. Emotions are a significant form of energy and vibration. The energy of those emotions get buried in your, all of our, cell tissues. That means unworthiness, betrayal, anger, and deep hurt become part of the energy you radiate. It's like blending dirt and water. It makes mud when it's all churned up and you can't separate the dirt from the water. So every time you take a drink, you get mud. Same with the emotions. They aren't separated. Every time you make a new friend or experience a situation, new or old, your anger, sadness, betrayal, and unworthiness are right there. You might not notice the emotions because on the surface you think you're happy, enjoying yourself, but it's not long before it's a repeat of an old situation. The Dead End Path You mentioned wanting a fresh start with someone new. So how does all this stuff work for relationships? Well, let's say you attract a new person into your life. She seems positive, honest, happy, totally different from the last relationship. But is she really? She may seem so at first, but as time goes on, the same things that were played out in the last relationship get played out in this relationship. They are different, but the underlying energy is still the same. She may not sleep around, but betrayal will be there in a different form. But it will still be betrayal. Anger will be there because anger is just the surface emotion for deep hurt. You will feel unworthy because that emotion is still active in the memory of your cell tissues. In essence, you will be sleeping with a woman who radiates the exact same energy as the last woman, except she will be wearing different clothes and skin. Why? Because like energy attracts like energy. You can only attract the energy you radiate. That means the new woman can only attract the energy she radiates. She will also have unhealed issues of betrayal, anger, and unworthiness. She has to. Her story may be different from yours, but the energy she stored in her cell tissues is exactly the same. So yes, you do deserve a fresh start and a better relationship in your life. The question you need to ask is, have I healed my old wounds enough to attract the kind of relationship I desire, or will it be the same thing in different clothes? Meditation, yoga, breathing exercises, and knowledge is the key to healing. So the good news is that you are on the right path. There is energy and magic happening in the invisible realms that you may not be aware of yet, but it's helping to heal you. Just trust. A few years ago, I read this incredible story about a man in Hawaii who did some amazing healing work. He's a doctor and was brought in as a last resort to help patients at a prison for the criminally insane. The guards and staff could no longer work in the wards without fear of attacks and all sorts of violence against them. This doctor did a practice called Ho'oponopono. It's an ancient Hawaiian practice of reconciliation and forgiveness. Basically, what Dr. Len in Hawaii did was, without ever meeting the patient, he healed them one by one until there were no prisoners left and the institution closed down. Dr. Len studied each of the prisoners' case files, then healed those issues within himself, as if they were his own. Because in actuality, we are all one, and your neighbor's issues are your issues and vice versa. So it does no good to get angry and retaliate against someone who we think did us wrong, because in essence... We are retaliating against ourselves and harming ourselves as well as the other person. It is counterproductive to rob a person because we are robbing ourselves. We are taking life energy away from ourselves. 
So for instance, Dr. Len would look at the issue of betrayal that might have been spelled out in those exact words on the case file, but he was intuitive enough to know that when the file says, child abandoned at early age by male parent, he knows that inmate has betrayal issues that have not been dealt with. So he would say this prayer or mantra over and over in regards to betrayal in his own life, the doctor's life. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Over and over and over he would repeat those words, and one by one the prisoners got better and eventually good enough to be released and go home. With this hope and open practice, you won't have to say anything. You can help out your fellow inmates and not tell them anything. My suggestion is to choose one to start with and ask yourself what is the biggest emotional issue he is dealing with at this time. Then look at that emotion within yourself and just do the prayer over and over again. Through healing yourself, you are healing your inmates. You asked me to recommend some books to you. I have so many art books that I'm not using. I wish there was a way to give some of them to you. I have some on watercolor. In fact, I have some VHS videotapes that are actual lessons on watercolor that I don't use. Very good tapes. Do you have access to a video player? They are not in DVD format. I could send them to your family also if you can use them. These are some of my favorite books. They are all of equal wonderfulness. The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Celebrating Love by H.H. Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Uh, Louise Hay has been around a long time. She puts on conferences called I Can Do It. I took my daughters to one in Florida several years ago. It's all about healing. At the back of her book is a chart that shows the emotional correlation between the physical illness. I have used this chart as a reference for at least 20 years in helping friends, family, some clients, and myself uh, get to the core issue of a physical problem. Another book, The Hidden Messages in Water by Masaru Emoto. Excellent book about energy and how water holds all our emotions. Thus, it is also a way we can heal. Seth's books by Jane Roberts. Any of the Seth books are very cool. Jane Roberts wrote these books back in the 60s. Jane was a channel. She channeled a group of beings that called themselves Seth. Her husband, Robert Butts, took dictation as she was channeling. Then he typed it up. Sure would have been a lot easier if they had had computers back then. These books deal mainly with quantum physics, but they don't call it quantum physics. It's all about what you are is what you get. But she goes into detail and gives experiences and examples. Read one and see if you like it. I think the first book is called Seth Speaks. It's an introductory and a very good place to start because these books are very meaty. They're also a bit difficult to find. You might have to get them from a used bookstore. Amazon.com has them from time to time, but they are never new books. Remind me to tell you about the energy of books sometime. Another good one is Creative Visualization by Shakti Gwain. It's more of an art book, sort of. It's how to use the art of mental imagery and affirmation to produce positive changes in your life. Let me know which of these books you get so I don't send you something you already have. This will be good. It will open up a whole new realm of conversations we can have about deeper issues of life and spirituality. I know what you mean about feeling like a naive first grader. I feel like that all the time. It's a good thing. It means we are seeing things through the eyes of an innocent child who is eager to learn and who doesn't come with an attitude of knowing it all. Those who really know, know nothing. Why? Because the world is not static. It's ever-changing. They know that there is only one truth. I've always believed that facts mean so little, if anything at all. How can science think it has answers to anything when all the evidence has not been collected and never will be collected? It can't be. I'll leave you with that to ponder. 
And I'll tell you that you give me purpose. Writing to you is important to me. My daughters are of an age where mom is just an embarrassment and they know everything, so I can't help them. I sincerely want to help make people's lives better, just like you do. We are the same. I'm working with the Art of Living organization to bring spirituality, yoga, and meditation to prisoners, just like Maya is doing on her own. There is delay because it's an organization and it involves getting permission and setting up standards, etc., before a program can be put into place. But I got permission from the head of the organization, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, to implement the program, and that is the highest form of permission I can get. It's just a matter of time and persistence. Whereas Maya is able to implement her ideas immediately because she doesn't have to ask for anyone's permission. She needs help because she has so many wonderful ideas that take too much time for one person alone to do. I'm hoping somehow the art of living can help her out. We shall see. Next week I'm going to the ashram to learn Ayurvedic cooking. So I will have a chance to talk with one of the men who is in charge of the prison program. The Art of Living has gone into prisons and worked directly with inmates, teaching them yoga, meditation, and breathing techniques. Hang in there, Hector. You are doing great. We are all on your side. I really appreciate your desire to send me some of your art. I can tell the offer is coming from your heart. We will figure out a way. I'd love for you to have some of my art to hang in your cell. Is that allowed? How would I send it? Blessings, Diana. The one significant takeaway from this story about Hector's desire to be a better man is his recognition that his negativity has led him down a bad path to a dead end. Remember at the beginning of this episode I mentioned how pain and suffering can be turned into art, compassion, or wisdom to help someone else? Well, this is your chance to use the pain, suffering, and awareness of an incarcerated man and transform it into a diamond in your own life. Don't let it go to waste. I encourage you to be an observer of your own thoughts and words and notice where you fall prey to self-doubt and negativity. Awareness is the key to transformation because once you become aware of something, you can change it. I will leave you with this thought to ponder. Don't wait for a failing health care system to save you. Your health, happiness, and relationships are your responsibility. Start looking inside, and if you don't know how, start by writing your story. If you need help, you can reach out to me via email at nancymurdoch at live.ca. In the meantime, I will post the Ho'oponopono process on my blog. The link to my blog is on my website, nancymurdoch.com. Until next time, keep it real, baby. <laughs>